0: we're good? <laughs> all right. So we're good. All right. Well, hello okay. everyone. And welcome to the first ever at Pop oh, I'll start that again. It's good that we got this. <laughs> we can just leave this <laughs> in, to be honest. You all know who I am. You know what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> we're, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Talking Mr. Lipstick. Oh, that's good that we started like that. Yes, yeah, Sam. Let's just leave that in. Where's the camera that I'm on? You all know what's going on. <laughs> Look, we'd love to say hello to our guests uh, over here. Welcome to the TPT podcast. Uh, you might hear that acronym a lot to our community. We'll explain that in the next podcast episode. And if it comes out today, it comes out today anyway. But uh, I would like to stop talking and allow our incredible guests to introduce herself. And then we'll go around the circle this way.
1: Go for um, it. So, hi, I'm Susan Moylan-Coons. And I'd like to firstly say Warami, Nagaya mm-hmm. Susan, Nagaya Grinji so I said hello I'm Susan I'm grinnjiwonga I with deep honor and respect asked to speak to the male spirits and the female spirits to be able to walk and talk and for all of us to to be here this afternoon on camamaragal land mm. and I I wish that we have a really good conversation and have the ability to change people's thoughts and and thinking around who we are as First Nations people and how we do this better into the future.
2: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Justin. Uh, Justin Burkholz, Susan's partner. Um, my background is, is health, uh, originally from Newcastle, or uh, what we call Territory, looking at Dana's there. Um, work with Susan at the moment, uh, but uh, prior to us uh, connecting, I uh, lived and worked in the Himalayas for 22 years. Um, eight of those out of a Tibetan Buddhist monastery mm. in Darjeeling. And um, now we, we work in the trauma space and try to facilitate change, mm. looking at Eastern philosophies, Indigenous philosophies and neuroscience. Mm. Awesome, thank you so much.
0: It sounds like we're gonna have a great time together. Ticking all the boxes. How about you, Newcastle Nightmare?
3: Hello everyone, my name's Dinos Furins and I'm so happy to be here. I'm the current custodian of the CEO Mantle and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I'm gonna be able to learn so much from myself and I'm really grateful for the experience that you've both been through And thanks for sharing it with us today and to everyone that's listening.
2: Hmm.
0: Nice. And uh, lastly, uh, my name's Matt. I grew up on a small country town called Wagga Wagga on Wiradjuri land. And to be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who I am. And so we're going to take about 20 minutes now to set the scene. And I really want to encourage you, you know, I'm probably going to close my eyes once I start telling stories And I really wanna encourage you to do the same because unlike many of the other people that do these podcasts, I have a scientific resume which is very difficult for you to disagree with. And the reason that I'm saying that is because unlike many of the people who speak about these topics like masculinity or white male culture or patriarchy, not only am I a white male, I'm also someone who's lived as a card carrying member of white culture for the first 20 years of my life. I had no idea that I was a white man. I had no idea about race. I said racist things, I said homophobic things, I said transphobic things, I said misogynistic things, and I did violent things to people. Because like all of us, we are educated into this white male culture. Now, as a white male, I grew up never questioning that every time I was in a movie cinema, I always self-selected with the main character. Every Marvel movie I watched, every superhero movie I watched, I never questioned that every character had the same colored skin than I did. I never thought about what it would be like to watch movie after movie after movie of what it means to exist inside of a culture and never see yourself in there. I never had any idea that the very fact that I go around and live inside of a world which is still so stuck inside of the civil war that happened during World War I and World War II and even deeper than that is is still stuck inside of this lie of white male culture and what it means to be masculine and the idea that to be masculine is to conquer. Now, it's very important to understand that idea didn't develop everywhere in the world. You cannot just brush all cultures, all indigenous cultures, all places all over the world, and say the masculine was conquer there. I would find that the Buddha would have something to say about that, considering his literal whole thing is nonviolence. And if you read the Wikipedia article about the border, it literally says it's pretty much nothing to have here. Now, compare that to the spiritual lineage of white culture. Compare that to the spiritual lineage of Christianity. Go on Wikipedia right now and Google violence and Christianity. Now, why is there such a stark difference between violence that comes out of Buddhism, which is effectively non-existent, and violence that comes out of this idea of white culture? you've been raised inside of a world which is very difficult to see if you're white. Not only is it very difficult to see if you're white, it's also very difficult to see if you're a non-white person, if you're a person of color. You know, I sit here next to Dinus, and one of the things that was so fascinating to me as a facilitator is realizing that sometimes people of color don't feel safe to acknowledge racism. You know, that was a journey that you and I had to go on, where the first time we met, you're like, I haven't experienced that much racism yet, yeah, and then as we would go further on, it turned out you had, you just pushed it away because of how painful it was, like all human beings do. And so it's really important that as we approach a conversation about something like Invasion Day, as we approach a conversation about something like white male culture, as we approach a conversation about masculinity, we make sure we approach this conversation with the most important value first, and that's the value of respect. Now I've worked with the most traumatized people on the planet over the past six years. I've spent thousands of hours holding people's hands, sometimes literally as they've overgone and re-gone through the most graphic trauma you could possibly imagine, to the point that I'm very well aware that people, some people's lives are nightmares and they don't have happy endings. I also sit here as a 31-year-old who's had complex post-traumatic stress disorder for more than 50% of my life. And you don't hear a lot of people so casually and comfortably talking about trauma in this way And that's because I'm fortunate enough to grow up inside of a culture where the internet exists and I'm fortunate enough to be born on Aboriginal land and I just feel like all I should do every day is wake up and say thank you to that. And I am lucky enough to also exist inside of a culture where psychedelic research exists. And so it's so important as we approach any conversation like this to realize we are talking about people's subjective experience. Now that can be challenging because we all feel like our emotions are prevalent. We all feel like our trauma is important, as we should, because it is important, because those parts of you need love. And yet I'll talk about myself, for example. I've had two spinal fusions. I've been told by a doctor I should be dead. I've been told that I might be impotent in my later years. I've been told that I have a life expectancy of only 65 years. And yet when I got a tattoo, that was a mild inconvenience for about 30 minutes for me. Some other people I've met getting a tattoo was the most crazily difficult experience of their life. Now, this is where we start to get into a conversation of, wow, inside of a space where subjectivity exists, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone deserves the same space maybe all the time. And when I say deserve there, I don't mean in worthlessness. I mean if there's an outcome. What is the outcome of humanity? Because there's only two. One, we figure out world peace. We have some great cultural awakening. There's something like the peace effort that gets started which washes all of our culture with these new ideas of hope and love and peace of unity and we spend centuries and i do mean centuries sitting in circles healing generational trauma there's no mythical superhero coming to solve the climate crisis it's human beings just like you and me i'm just a kid from Wagga, just a kid from newcastle just kids from where you're from And we have no idea what we're doing, but we know if we love each other and we have conversations like this, maybe hope can exist in the future. Because if we don't figure out peace, we just go extinct. Now, as a white man, you might be sitting here thinking, well, white culture's awesome because we have all of these wonderful innovations. We have freedom of speech, we have democracy, we have all this bullshit that you've been educated into in history, which was actually just propaganda. That's really important. If you can't say out loud that the history you've learned at school is propaganda, you don't understand history. And if you disagree with me on that, You are so welcome. And in fact, I encourage you to come and debate me. Literally the p 7com slash current list. You can email my management. I'm happy to debate you on 30 days notice anytime because a lot of people are gonna have resistance to this idea that all of white culture, if your ancestors come back to the Romans, which mine do, then you grow up inside of the culture where you're the baddies in the story. You are the Nazis, that's your ancestors. Your ancestors are the Nazis if you're white. It's just a different chapter. Now, as a white person who's saying this, as the white person who's found at least a proto-theory of trauma, as the white person who managed to go into the psychedelic realm and map the mystical experience, as a white person who claims to have found trauma zero inside of their life, if not me, then who? If I'm not the white fella to challenge you on your whiteness, then who is? I'm an entrepreneur. I dropped out of med school. I have a very amazing relationship with my wife. I love myself. I tick all the boxes I'm supposed to tick in a masculine culture, yet my message is the entire masculine culture has to change. And so as we come into this conversation, you might start to realise there's a depth of human experience and there's a depth of wisdom and there's a depth of an understanding around some of these topics, that if all you've done is just gone on Facebook or Instagram or Tiki-Toki, Wiki-Woki, whatever it is that you're doing, you're not going to have built a deep felt experience of what it's like to have to live on the front lines of trauma. Now, I've cut myself very lucky that we have two people who've clearly lived on the front lines of trauma willing to speak to us as a community today. And so it's so important before we do that, I just wanna give a set of safety instructions. This is going to be a very challenging podcast. I suspect I've already challenged a number of our community, which as we should, and it's my job to do that as someone who has the right to tell stories inside of our culture here at TPT. And it is going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging for all of us. It's already challenging to me to have spoken about the fact that I had two spinal fusions in my life. Those aren't words to me. That's a lived experience of a neurosurgeon chopping up my body. And so when I say those words out loud, yeah, you just hear the words, but inside my body, those parts which were cut up are saying, hey, and I'm just saying hey to them as well. How are you? But it's important to realize this takes energy. This takes focus. And that's why we need to start having this conversation about respect. Why do you feel and assume you have the right to the opinion that you have? if your base level assumption is every single thing that comes into your head should be said out loud, you need to spend some more time reading the Tao as a start amongst other things. And so I'd really love everyone to calm down and slow down because we're not in a rush. We're not here to tell you how to think. We're here to speak our truths as strongly as we want to speak them with an open hand and with an open heart. And we're so willing and in fact hoping that if you have a platform and you disagree with anything I've said out loud or anything anyone says out loud, just come and debate me. And I'm so happy and would like to meet you in that arena. And so the final thing that I'll say before I really throw over to Susan and Justin and we start wherever from all of that you guys wanna go because I know I've just said a lot of shit out loud. I'd like to finish with this. If you're out there and you suffer, and I want you to suffer, if you are struggling with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, if you cry yourself, you sleep every night like I used to have to. If you don't know how to make yourself feel safe like I used to have to feel. If you don't know how to get the siren in your body to relax just like I used to feel. What I wanna to say to you is it's really important that you go slow. Complex PTSD is not something that gets healed in a day. It took me a decade and I had to go and build a new theory that made sense to me to be able to heal. It is so important. In fact, it is a requirement here at the TPT. If you even think you might be struggling with mental stability. If you even think you might be scared of going into the darkness. If you even think you might have shell shock, which was the correct name of PTSD before it was whitewashed. If you think you might have shell shock, do not, I repeat, do not try and go into the parts of you inside your basement unless there is someone who is a professional that knows what they're doing. I myself, the first time I went into my basement, structurally and when I knew what I was doing, was held in my hand by a psychologist who knows, and I want you all to Google this, internal family systems or Hakomi. If you Google those two things and a psychologist in your area, they will hold your hand for the first 10 times you go down into your basement so that you are safe. The number one thing we don't wanna do if you have PTSD is retrigger a cycle and you try and have a conversation with a part of yourself and for two weeks you can't sleep because of the flashbacks worked with a lot of people who've had that experience. I myself have had that experience, and we're not in a rush. To everyone else who's out there, I really want to encourage you to continue to slow down, to continue to talk to the parts of you. And remember, have a look around you right now, if you can see, if you have the ability to use vision. I want you to look at the physical realm around you right now, and I want you to see that myself, Justin, Susan, and Dynas, we are not sitting where you are. We're not. Look at us. You can't point to us. So where are all these emotions that we're apparently making you feel if I'm not there with you in the physical realm? And that's a really beautiful thing for you to start to take responsibility for as we open up our space. Susan and Justin, I'm sure one of you or some of you have some things to say. Dynasty you might have some things to say. And to everyone back here, please just a tremendous welcome from our community to Susan and Justin. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for sitting in this space. And I'm so excited to see what you would like to talk about and we can go from there. Thank you.
2: <laughs> the, Tibetans will talk about ground, path, result. You need good ground. Um, and what you've just explained is make sure that you have good ground. Yeah? And part of ground is breath. Yeah. Dainas yeah. just did it then. Um, uh, if you're in control of your breath, you're in control of your emotional state if you're in control of your emotional state life's okay so breath is is part of that ground but to go slowly is is really good advice yeah really good advice mm.
1: and i think that you know we're all living in such an interesting time being 2022 and and the last couple of years and the the sense of psychological distress that people have been you know coping with and not coping with and it's really revealed our core and and if we don't understand our core what makes us tick and how we walk in the world then a whole lot of those behavioral structures that we've built over our lifetime comes into play. And if we don't understand them, then a lot of this rote learnt behaviour comes to the fore. And it's it's either a positive or a negative in its expression. And, you know, understanding trauma, understanding how people show up in the world when they're faced with what we're all faced with globally at the moment, is, is something that will test us. And, and if we don't have that, that understanding of our core, then shit happens. And if we don't understand the triggers and why those triggers have been set in place, because they are coping mechanisms um, and, and they are the the, the bell that rings or, or the alarm that goes off when we find ourselves in situations that are not comfortable, um, if we don't understand that and why they're there, then we, you know, we unconsciously will go down a path. And what what we're wanting to do is, as Justin says, like, just try and slow it down. Take, take a breath and understand what's going on for self in that moment. Because the situation that you find yourself in and the trigger that's gone off may or may not be relevant or real mm. to that situation. Yes. So it's it's about seeing yourself in that moment, become the observer.
0: Mm.
1: And is what I'm feeling relevant to this situation? Or have I have I been triggered into a whole set of emotions that is either going to serve me or not in this instant, and and that's the key to life, really. That you know, if if shit has happened to us in our life, and I would suggest it's happened to a lot of us, um, and you know, as you said before, we don't want to get into trauma competition. Um, everybody's trauma is, is valid and relevant to them because it's impacted a life story. So it's about understanding self so we can be more respectful as we, as we journey the timeline, as, as, you know, whatever our narrative is, um, how do we be in a space that not, not only just cares for ourselves, but we care about the interaction that we're having in the world. And and if we don't do that, then we're constantly bumping up against people, and might be a good interaction, might be a bad interaction, yes. you know. Yes. So you, you, it's it's about trying to remain conscious in 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 on the path and in the journey, um, because otherwise, you know, you're five years down the track and you're, you're doing the same old same old. And that might not be a good experience for you. And, that's and you can't understand why you keep doing yeah. it.
2: And that's challenging to remain conscious because you're functioning from the trauma base. Mm. We as a society... ..because I, I was coming and going and observing this, this thing that is Australia, is, is that we function from a trauma base. People are stuck and frozen in inaction. And, and that's, that's really sad. Mm. And, and that's because we don't have any ground.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's try and weave some unity so that some people in our community can kind of follow along the threads here. What I'd like to pick up there is this most magical thing that you said, which is whatever our narrative is. Now, I want you to think about how different of conversation it would be inside of our society if we all sat down and said, well, what do we all think our story should be? Rather than this idea, and this is so deep in your Western psyche, it's almost impossible for you to see, what's the point of a story? And before we even go any further, you realize I've just told you. The point of a story is that the story has a point. That the story is supposed to go from the beginning till the end, and the arrow of time moves one way. Well, if you grew up with some very certain spiritual ideas, that is how you think about the world. If you grew up pretty much anywhere else, anywhere where there's not white folk, you believe that you have more than one life. And there's a whole plethora of ways for us to think about what it means to be human here in this world. And so when Justin says, we're operating from a trauma base, what does that mean? Well, why is it that you feel and see so many of these people who are quote unquote leaders in our society struggling to take action and that you're never gonna believe that it's this? It's because they're worried about getting their feelings hurt. And that's not a joke, by the way. One of the reasons that our world is on fire is because there are just some people, particularly some groups of white men, some high verbal IQ white men, just like me, who just refuse to admit that they're wrong. And that's not a joke. Your grandkids' grandkids are gonna learn in their history books, one of the reasons that the climate crisis got as bad as it was, one of the reasons that the tornadoes are gonna be what they're like in 150 years time is because there were just some people who refused to feel. Okay, what the fuck could be so terrifying that it would make you wanna not feel? Well, there's this thing that happens in masculine culture that we never talk about. And that's what happens when all of the people who are not white straight men leave the room. And what happens in those conversations? White, male, masculine business. Because what I notice happens is the second that those people who we're here to try and not help, we're here to try and at least be more respectful of, it all disappears and all the racism comes right back out. Because you learned as a masculine human being grow up, if you admit that you're wrong, you go to the bottom of the pack. And if you're at the bottom of the pack, what happens? Everyone bullies you and beats you up. And I know that because I was at the bottom of the pack. And so your whole life you were educated into, admit that you were wrong and you die. Admit that you were wrong and you die. We also live inside of a culture where we're still waking up from World War II, amongst other things. What do you do when a whole whole civilization, really a whole globe, gets shell shock after PTSD? What do you do when you tell people not to talk about their feelings? And so when Justin says, we're operating from a trauma base, that's not easy for someone who's never heard those words out loud to understand. But what you can maybe understand is, as Susan said, everyone, every single human being I've ever met, even the Buddha himself, talks about experiencing suffering. Now, you then can go on a journey about what you wanna do with that suffering, which a very different conversation, but even he himself says, not nah, definitely some suffering here. Okay, well then what do we do with that suffering? What are we gonna do about it? Well, what you can do is realize that human beings are underneath all of this. There's no politics, there's human beings. There's no business, there's human beings. There's none of these structures that we think they exist. There's just human beings making decisions. And those human beings are all scared to be themselves because when we were growing up we got taught if we'd be ourselves in white culture you have violence enacted upon you and so we all stay stuck inside of this prism where there's paralysis and nothing's really changing because of that trauma base because everyone's triggered all the time we're actually staying stuck in a very finite and a very dangerous way of thinking because if we don't change and if white culture doesn't learn from the cultures it's oppressing And this one will hit you for six if you're a white person. Really slow down and think about the depth of what this means. If the people who set the world on fire don't learn from the people they're oppressing, we will destroy all human life on this planet within two centuries. Now just press pause. Why the fuck didn't they teach you that in year seven? And that right there, that right there is why the climate crisis exists. Because of generational trauma, most powerfully of all, but it's so important. What's the number one cause of generational trauma? And it's white male culture. And so what I'd love to do now is to give, you know, the mic back over to you two to just keep pinging and going wherever you wanna go. Obviously this is coming out about Invasion Day and I just really wanna enable you two to keep speaking and sharing and then we'll just try and connect everything in for our community.
1: So I guess I wanna challenge the narrative that you just spoke about. Great. And to not continue to beat up on white males. Mm. And, and we know it's shit. We know that, you know, for, for decades, children are raised in a system and there is very much a, a what am I trying to say? There's very much a focus on the masculine way of doing things and that's what society has been constructed around and and we're constantly you know trying to deconstruct that and and for us as as first nations people of this land it is very much that colonial structure that's been set up here and has been set up here for the last 230 odd years and and really trying to dismantle that and and I understand what you're saying and and I think words are really important, mm. and it's it's about showing people, like allow them to look through the looking glass, so there is a sense of dismantling and having having time to reflect and to see something different, mm. and you know, and that goes for both male, female, and 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 the the non gender um, binary. Um, you know, we all identify in different ways. And, um, so if, if we continue to have those narratives, then are we doing the same thing? Mm, Nice. So uh, using different words to express that get people to see it, but then be able to move to a different place is actually what's important. Mm. And you know, in in this country, if we're talking about, um, you know, who, who are we and how do we see ourselves in the world? Who are we as Australians? Are we all Australians? I'm a First Nations person. I'm a Gringy Wunga woman. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm. I get challenged when I call myself an Australian. Mm. Um, because it's yeah, it's it's a title. It's yes. a um, it's an identification that has been put on me, and in terms of my rights as a First Nations woman, um, it's something that I've I've just had to assume as being labelled an Australian. And, you know, people think that that's just blasphemous to kind of say that sort of stuff. And, and you know, what is the truth? Yes. That the truth is that, you know, I was born in 1964. I was removed as a child at birth because of the government policy. I'm part of the stolen generations. My mother was taken, my grandmother was taken three generations down the female line. That's the truth. And I didn't get to choose, to stay with my parents. A government made a decision. So story, as you were talking about, story gives us meaning and purpose. It gives us a frame to be able to speak from, to be able to live from. So sometimes shit happens and it's not our choice. And we either understand our core and that's you know social emotional well-being so who are we physically what's happened in our journey what has been our spiritual journey what has been our emotional journey and how do we weave all of that together to make sense of the world that you know speaking about me that I walk in and and how do I how do I you know and I hate the word how do I reconcile that to myself um and what is it that I want to express in the world? I don't want to continue to tell a story through my trauma because I'm not my trauma. I'm I'm Susan Kalmer who was taken at birth. I became Susan Coombs and grew up on the Northern Beaches because when the institutions closed down in 1967, um, I was flown to Sydney and I was adopted into a family on the Northern Beaches. You know, I've, I've had this life... I've had this career that's all been about storytelling and narratives. And how do we how do we share our story to not re-traumatize self, but to not also traumatize an audience? Yes. And it's, you know, it's about being able to speak it with a level of neutrality mm-hmm. so people can hear the story. Yeah. There might be an impact and a kick for others that yes. hear it. Um, but you know if i speak in a at a public event like i can feel the energy of the audience yes and and i know that it's my responsibility to bring them back out of the trauma that i just dropped them into yes and and you know i'll i'll just i'll be silly i'll crack a joke mm-hmm. um to just lift the energy back in the room because otherwise I'm not being responsible for mm. what I'm saying and doing and and how I affect other people. And you know we, we've got this whole structure and system that has been transported here from another land and Literally. no one asked permission nope. and there's a whole narrative behind that. Yep. And you know we're, we're coming up to January 26 and and what does that mean and and the mixed emotions that that brings, to to different parts of the community and and how do we simply get to a point where as a nation we can just tell the truth. Yes. And we can honour the truth.
0: Just that simple. Just tell the truth. That's it. Just that's all that's yeah. all that we're asking for yeah.
1: here. Yeah. And and to for, for people who don't want to hear the truth and hang on to their own narrative, so massive cognitive dissonance in yes. this country.
0: Yes. Um just, and just think about <laughs> cognitive dissonance as the bl- just the blindness. Just the blindness. Yes. So think about everything that Susan's just said out loud and then think about what you might have learned at school about Australian history and compare those two things to each other and that's what Susan's talking about, about this blindness and that's a thing that we're choosing.
1: Yeah, talk about cognitive
2: dissonance. Right. Um, yeah, cognitive dissonance, but, but also, also this, this background of white trauma yeah. that, that's there. And in trauma-informed care, we, we have this thing called a shield of shame. And there are three points on the top of the shield, and there's one point at the bottom. And the shield is put up to protect the sense of self, the sense of identity, of who we are as a nation. You know. And on that, that shield, what people do is they lie, they minimise, they project. And when they don't protect you, you get angry, you get rage. Yes and what needs to happen is the shield needs to be dropped we need to have the adult conversation and and to move forward but the cognitive dissonance is is this inability to to actually see the truth uh, pure and simple that's yeah.
1: and yeah. it challenges people
2: it, yes. it challenges people and our whole
1: position deeply. Because that's, because that's what they think is is their truth. Yes. And the truth that's been, um, you know, delivered to them throughout their upbringing and, yes. and, and the history of Australia, which yes. started in 1788. Yes. Um, you know, we're the oldest living culture on the planet.
0: 65,000 years. Plus. Mm. Plus, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and yeah, good. We, we we've yeah. been here yes. since... ...since time began. Yes. And our, our uh, story. Sorry,
0: please, before you keep going, I'm sorry to interrupt. The amount of levels to a statement that you've just heard... ...that we were here since time began. Yeah. It is so hard for you to understand what's... I don't even understand what Susan means when she says that. But I, I, and maybe know a little bit of the rhythm. Okay. You just have to start to realise we use these words time... ...and we might mean completely different things... And so it's so important here that there are words that are being said, which you might have to reflect on for a couple of years before they land. Just like me and my education, it's been the same thing. So please keep going. But I just so, yeah.
1: so it's not hard to understand. Mm. It is the truth. Yes. And so for, for your listeners, um, it's be careful of your words um, because it's not hard to understand. It, it just is what is, and it's really about opening your mind and allow a sense of letting that in and sink in and yes, reflect and and do what you need to do. And it might take a while because your brain's gonna be so curious about, well, what does that statement mean? And and go out and educate yourself Mm -hmm. that you've been raised on a diet of lies. The education system did not teach you.
0: Literalize. Uh, Let me give you a really easy one that I uh, learned recently. Now, unfortunately, the exhibition is closing on Invasion Day, so you won't be able to go, but there's a great exhibition at the Australian Museum called Unsettled, which was the First Nations, uh, the history of Australia told from a First Nations perspective. So I walked downstairs. Let me tell you two things about this, uh, this art exhibition, which changed my life and I really think will change your life as well because I was astounded when I learned these facts. The first was that uh, I believe the first time that the British came to Australia, I was told a story that they got off the boat and planted a flag or some shit. That's all bullshit, 100% bullshit. I couldn't believe it. They literally have evidence from people all up and down the coast, I'm sure you could probably do a better job than I could, that that whole thing's a lie. But this is not only that, and I learned that in history, cool, so there's one lie. Here's another thing that I learned about in history that there are people who were taken, you know, just like Susan, from their families and were also given numbers and were also sent to work without pay. Now, you've heard about that somewhere else. And the fact that that's happening here, and you may never even have heard about that out loud until now, that's what it means for you to have to lead your own education. No one's going to do this for you. You yourself have to choose to go and get books. You yourself choose to have to go and get resources. Whatever it means for you to start to try and educate yourself, you have to lead it yourself. And the thing that I want to tell you, you know, as someone who used to be a card carrying member of all this shit, because I had to educate myself as well. I grew up in a tiny country town where Bathurst and Supernauts was the coolest thing when I was fucking growing up. Holden HSVs was all the, all the rage. But what I want to tell you is, at least for me, and I speak for Sam and many of the other kind of people in our community who've had to do this journey, it is so wonderful to do it because of the amount, the fact that we get to sit in this room with you two, you know, we're a kid from Newcastle, a kid from Warren, have these wonderful conversations. I just want to encourage you so powerfully to do it. Telling the truth is very difficult. You know, the Buddhists say the truth is like a light and it's also like a knife. So what we like to say is the truth will light your life up, but it also might cut and it might hurt. And it might fuck you up, but then it will set you free. And by the way, I don't mean to fuck you up in an intense way. So, again, what does it mean to grow up in this nation? What does it mean to educate yourself inside of this culture, inside of this community? And do you want to say anything, by the way? Because not... Okay, I well, just, please just keep going. Says,
1: yeah, look, um, everything's in plain sight. Yes. It's Every, all there. It, everything's we, in plain we sight. We are the most researched race of people on the planet. Hmm. And if you do go down that path of wanting to educate yourself, it's all there. And the reason it's all there is where it actually came from and the records that have been kept. So check out the archives of the Vatican, check out, you know, the the, the monarchy, check out the papal bulls that happened back in the 1400s. Um, you know, the, they start talking about Terra, terra, um, terra Nullius, back in the 1400s, they were told to go and conquer, yes. go forth. And yes. all those lands that aren't Christian, yes. then just go and sail and conquer them and turn everybody into Christians because yes. they're heathens. Yes. And then you had, I can't remember the next papal bulls that they put out, but there are a number of them and one of them was the, um, the doctrine of discovery. Same thing. So... They're all out there sailing around the world trying to find, you know, Terra Australis, um, the great southern land. And they, you know, they knew, they knew we were the oldest living culture. Mm. They knew the, the, the culture here was pure. Yes. That was from And, and our spiritual beliefs mm. and way of life is exactly what's needed today
0: just before we keep going any further on that, I just want you to really think, emphasize what we just said. If we don't learn from 65,000 plus years of wisdom, there won't be humans in a couple of hundred years. Yeah. That, so just stop, that, that, that's just an end of conversation unless you wanna tell us how you're gonna solve world peace without us healing generational trauma. There's only one door out of this and it's the truth and it's us staring well, at what's happened.
1: It's the law of nature. Mm it's it's the spiritual laws yes. and you know all of the things that people have have grown up believing aren't necessarily truth yes. and that realization when you do start to explore that something else is going on and it's not been great the way that it's been enacted on this continent the fact that we have been here since time immemorial and and all of those visitations from um, the ships that were sailing around the country and 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 how you know settlement which I say with tongue-in-cheek um, mm. you what know you the, the, invasion to yes, of, the invasion of our yes. lands yes. And, yes. and the fact that you know there's there's no respect today there's no understanding of the history there's no there's no it, it The whole relationship is one that the narrative has been controlled. So how do we unpick that? Yes. And and how do we see human beings for human beings? Because remember, we weren't seen as human beings. And we weren't treated as human beings.
0: Please stop for a second now. I just want everyone to sit and feel what Susan just said. Because we weren't treated as human beings.
2: 1967. Hmm. Please tell us more. 1967 was when the referendum happened mm-hmm. and um, the Indigenous were seen as human beings. So think Prior about to that, that, they
0: were flora and fauna. The invaders had the gall to think it was their right to give the people whose land this has always been and will always be, no matter what. Think about that. Think about how ludicrous that is. And what, is, what are you going to do about that? I didn't, I mean, I probably did spiritually choose to be born, you know, on a ruddery land in Australia. It's, I absolutely did. And I feel very fortunate. But, you know, I, I just grew up. I didn't know any of this shit. You didn't know any of this stuff. You were an engineer. I was a med student. You know, we weren't doing any of this. But we just fell in love with this idea of helping people heal. And, you know, I don't ever talk about this but Susan was just talking about that spiritual law. I really want to encourage you two books that have really helped me in my journey to kind of get rid of my whiteness. The first is Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia. I really want to encourage you, anytime you feel like you don't understand some group of people, just go read first-person accounts of their lived experience. That changed my life.
1: Yeah, so Aboriginal, the word, nah, 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 nah. Oh, okay. Um, understand where that comes from. Oh, please tell me It more. has a Latin derivative. Why are people, why are Indigenous people globally called Aboriginals? So it came from colonisation. It came from, uh, it's a Latin, the Roman, the language comes from back then. So if I was being technically correct, technically correct, I'm not Aboriginal. I'm Gurindji Mwawonga. They're my nations. That is my born right as a person from this land. So once again, the colonial term is Aboriginal.
0: Great, so can I- and,
1: and it's not, it's, so because it's been indoctrinated in us, because for a lot of the children that were removed, told, and a lot of times a lot of violence, um, in terms of you don't speak your that heathen language, mm. Um, you don't practice your culture. Um, families, communities rounded up and put onto missions. so the the ability to to express yourself culturally was almost beaten out of us. So they are terms that not are our terms. Wow. But because people were so badly treated, and that trauma and the compliance that happened back through history, so people now, are really happy to wear that terminology of Aboriginal. Okay. But it's not ours. Mm. That came from the colonisers. That came from church and state. Yes. So it yes. was transported here. You have Aboriginal people in the United States. You have Aboriginal people in Canada, Turtle Island. You have Aboriginal people in, and, and who call themselves Maoris, but even that's an interesting term when you look at the history of that too. So it's it is about understanding where all of this stuff comes from. And, and it's in it's just out there in in general view and people are using terminology that's not right.
0: So should I say First Nations? Yeah, great.
1: Because it's a rights thing. So great. as and you know it's interesting when you start hearing about you know Australia's first people, Australia's First Nations. So we are First Nations people yes. of this continent.
0: Yes. And just so everyone understands that's a fucking tremendous difference, what Susan's just said. They may sound like one words difference to you. It's huge. It's huge. And I want everyone to see what's happening here. I, this is what this conversation is about, is me reading books, Dionys, all of us coming in here not knowing what the fuck we're talking about and being educated. Yeah. This is what and we need to do. It's
1: because that narrative and that story just keeps being told. Mm. So you just keep believing it and you keep thinking that's, you know, a good thing and we do versions of, you know, well, that's not Correct terminology. It's not protocol. Um, it's not a, a correct protocol to say this word or that word, um, and I guess in 2022, it's about asking people how they want to identify, because a lot of people have put on the badge, and and there are those that you know. Really, um, are very adamant about saying their Wiradjuri or their um, Bunjilung or their, you know, from whatever nation and how they identify. Um, there are people saying, "Well, I don't, I don't like the word Aboriginal. This is who I am," and that really starts to put a different spin on things. And, and you know, and the whole reconciliation movement has has done some good, but now we've got a whole lot of buildings in the city of Sydney which is Gadigal land. And, you know, and why do we keep in the history books talk about, you know, when you know, the, the colony started in Sydney? Well, it was Gadigal land. So when we start to shift the terminology, shift the way that the story gets told, that's when people will really start to go, well, hang on a minute, what's going on? A lot of buildings that have acknowledgement of country on them. So what does that mean? If, if as a nation, we're acknowledging the first nations Are we being good allies? Are we paying the rent? Are we really trying to give rights back to First Nations people of this land because they are enshrined in the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People? Australia was one of four nations that refused to sign that document.
0: Just before you keep going. Just before you keep going. Look that up. Look that up. Look that up. And I've... Previously celebrated Invasion Day by going to the MCG, drinking a whole load of fucking Bundy and rum and having a great time at the cricket because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And now I sit here and I have conversations like this. And I just really want to encourage everyone. The reason that I'm saying this, the reason I'm bringing up these stories of my past is because we're all just sitting here as children. dinosaur and I are kids in this conversation. We're just trying to learn and, and to be here and to just try and be as respectful as we can. And so I really want to encourage you back home, just slow down. One of four nations. Do you, by any chance, know what the United other three States, nations?
1: Canada, New Zealand, Australia refused to sign it? And it took um, 2007.
0: United States, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. And Australia refused now, to sign the Again, another thing everyone back home go look at where those four nations all came from. When I say those nations, by by the way, I mean the invasion, not the First Nations people.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: The and invasion. you're going to go down a rabbit hole when mm. you start to do this. Yep.
1: Because a, it, it a shows it shows our rights. Mm. And
0: I love that you said give rights back.
1: Yeah. Mm. And and even that is you a know, bit of a hiccup. No. Exactly. We we so as the original people of this land and the oldest living culture on the planet, we mm. need to assume our rights. We need to be our rights. We need to live our rights. Mm. Because currently we're still in a position of disempowerment and it's interesting, I had to change my thought process to go, well, hang on a minute, why am I, why am I waiting for permission to do this or be this? I am. I am Gurindji Wabunga. I am Susan. I, my bloodline, my ancestry, my DNA comes from this land, nowhere else. My mother and my father both have bloodline to the Northern Territory. I come from there. I come from nowhere else. So it's about us who are First Nations people of this land who have been treated incredibly badly post-1788 mm-hmm. and, you know, the that so-called penal colony that got set up over there and, and just was such a disruption to our way of life. Um, we just need to assume what is true and correct and right on this land
2: and that's what people are fearful of in terms of you you're, the the people that are making decisions don't don't necessarily use first nations or they, cuz they know the the terminology of first first in time yeah we are first in time first in time and le- when you look at that from a legal perspective yes First in time takes on a whole new meaning.
0: Very different meaning. Yeah, one of our facilitators uh, who's an in, uh, Anglo-Indian young man, he said that he figured out at 13 that our entire legal system was unjust and no one would talk to him about it. And so he just said he went silent and got angry and he didn't realise that for about 10 his, years.
2: He's Indian. Indian, yes. Yeah.
0: yeah, he just prefers Anglo-Indian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and
2: uh, I've seen him on the website. Oh, great. And, and having lived in India and having seen what happened in India with Gandhi and, you know, when when the British pulled out, they pulled out real fast because they were all told to go home. Yeah. You know, the United Nations said, you have to go home. All colonial powers need to leave. Go home. And, and so India are still trying to put together, you know, the the shit fight that they were left with when Mountbatten, I think it was, left. Um, and Modi's trying to to form, still formulate a constitution in India.
1: So after World War II, the United Nations was set up and we had the, the Declaration of, of Human Rights come into being. And the UN said, how can we uphold human rights if there are still races of people who have been subjugated by colonisers? So the directive was go home, pull out, get out. Didn't happen here. So we still have the colonial powers controlling and not giving our rights and, and allowing us to be who we are, which is the oldest living culture on the planet. And, and, you know, what, what I find really offensive when we have these conversations around January 26 is the way that people hang on to that narrative. You know, the country's only 230 odd years old. Like seriously, we've been here for 65,000 years plus. We've been here since time immemorial. It is a joke to consider that the be all and end all is the Australian nation. Um, who, yes. are, who, who, who are we? And if Australia calls itself a sovereign nation now, are uh, offensive and who are we? We are sovereign people. We never ceded sovereignty. So how do we find ourselves in this position? And, you know, people have been doing reconciliation. We've had the the Uluru Statement from the Heart. We, you know, in that, which, you know, I, I think is quite good, that people talk about the, the fact that there can be co-sovereignty. So why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for successive governments to do something? Why do we get to this point in the calendar and continue to have these bullshit conversations? And until as a nation, people can be respectful of who we are, and understand our rights and understand our position as first in time and the original people of this landscape who've been subjugated and treated badly and traumatized um, until we get to the point of sitting down and just truly understanding the truth and being respectful and care for our shared humanity, we're gonna continue to have these bullshit conversations. Mm -hmm. And it goes nowhere. Exactly. we just keep doing it and, and it's slowly, slowly creeping, I think in the right direction, but you know, if we rely on mainstream media, forget it, um, look, what great job they're doing currently. Um, and for the last two years, um, we, we have simply through the education system and through the media brainwash people, Mm -hmm. we continue to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. Now for everyone back home, Uh, I am going to record a very, very, very long section on this. The concept you're looking for is called the Overton window. Uh, It's so complicated to understand. You don't get the brainwashing in one day, but I will teach that in the future. But I just want you to know I fully agree with that statement. And that's very important for everyone at home to understand when we use the term brainwashing, we really mean that term. And I'm going to explain that at length just on some other future... What would you like to say, Justin? No, no,
2: no. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Because I think that... ..when we started to change what children were being taught in schools... ...and some of the the Indigenous perspectives were being included in curriculum... ...and that's been a really slow creep to get that in there... um, ..it's going to be a generational thing. And we it's almost like we're in the last throes of the patriarchy and, and the system and the way that it hangs on to that narrative, yes. which reinforces their position of power yes. and control over. Yes. And yep. if if you really want to understand the power and control over, just look up the intervention mm. that happened in the Northern Territory.
0: I encourage everyone at home, Wikipedia the as you said, the facts oh are there. Oh my god, the, the f- facts are there. It,
1: it's all in plain sight. Mm. You just gotta connect the dots. So the question is that they rolled out this thing called the intervention... ...to control the lives of communities in the Northern Territory. Why? They rolled it out under the the guise of the Little Children a Sacred Report... ...because apparently there's all these pedophile rings.
2: Of which Still they didn't find any.
1: today they have not found anything. Mm-hmm. No one has been charged. So the...
0: Just say that again for us. No one has been charged.
1: No one's ever been charged. So what is it truly about?
0: Yes. What is a cover story and what is this truly about? Yes. No one's ever been charged. I want you to just sit with this. Sit about what the conversations we're having right now. Why is all of this happening? Why are we doing this? Why are we going in circles? And you're gonna have to come up with your own answer. We're not here to tell you. We're just here to have conversations and to open doors. Please keep going by the way. So
1: so we're what, at an hour, great. What is what is the control about? what is the disempowerment about what is trying to hang on so tightly to a narrative of australia and australia day and let's celebrate let's celebrate the celebrate the trauma of indigenous people
0: and that's what that is that's so important at home that's what you, that's what we're doing it's there's no other way to mince meat that Why would we do that as a nation? Why would we want our kids to do that? Why would we educate people into that? And again, I have my answer that I think, you know, is probably (laughs) agree with most of the people in here, but we've all got our different answers for that. And you yourself are gonna have to answer that, right? You yourself are gonna have to have conversations with people in your life. And what I wanna just tell everyone to do is it's so important to just keep listening, keep slowing down and keep listening in these conversations. Susan, please keep going by the way, this is wonderful.
1: If we look back through the history of this country, if we look at the moments in time when when we as First Nations people have been able to kind of push an agenda and to creep a little bit more down the road, um, you've got things like the Borunga Statement, you've got things like the Bark Treaty that came out of um, Arnhem Land, the Yolongu people up there, um, look up. High Court ruling on Mabo. Um, That's very telling and if and if you if you question even further why the High Court wouldn't go further than overturning the doctrine of terra nullius
0: Tell us more about this, because what would going further look like? No, no, and I'm so Oh, by the absolutely. Way. Yes. So,
1: so the legal system would simply collapse in this country because exactly. it's operating Everything illegally.
0: Yes, because over. that's what that's the bank that's the bankrupt thing. This is what uh, you know. Our facilitator found that's it. The whole legal justification Everything is bankrupt. Everything would fall over. We'd have to do the yeah. whole thing again.
1: Correct. Yes. So and why do you think the government won't
0: exactly and this won't is so won't important.
1: Un, won't apologize? Yep. Truly apologize? Yep. And give back our rights yep. and say, yes, these are the original people of this land yep. and you know, the whole mea culpa crap. But oh, it's the same thing and would happen like at those just... other four
0: countries. It's yeah. all it would it would it's be. It's all
2: about the land and yes. the money. Yes. New Zealand, Canada, and the US the and
0: Australia. It'll be yeah. all four
1: of us. And what are we all doing? It's all about resources and money and yes. power and control. Yes. yes. So we can't give it back because so here's the thing colonization underwrote nations globally. So just think about that for a minute. We underwrote, First Nations people of this land, we underwrote the building of this country. First Nations people who are disadvantaged, who are living under interventions, who, you know, are are fighting to keep their children because we continue to remove children. So it's just, you know, another removal process, um, same shit, different day, right? So understand the value alone of the land. So not talking compensation, not talking about 230 years of being disconnected from it and traumatized and killed and massacred and you know you name it, it's been happening. Um, $6 trillion in today's monetary terms. That's our wealth.
0: Yes, literally, yes.
1: So all these roads, all these buildings. Six trillion. Yeah. I asked an economist. Hmm. So if we understand we need, never ceded sovereignty, if we understand the British came here and set up shop illegally, if we understand why they did it and you go back to the papal bulls, so we're talking about religion, we're yes. talking about the Vatican. yes. He was out there.
0: We're talking about the Greco-Roman values. This goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. Never forget the ancient Greeks, society where they said everyone had a vote, but the only people who had vote, white people who have land. The whole thing runs on slavery, theft, and pedophilia is rife in that
1: culture. Correct. And it, it frightens me when I look at all of those old movies of the way that the British, you know, they used to fight with, what was the movie we watched the other day with Mel Gibson? Braveheart. Braveheart. Like just the violence yes. that went on. Yes. Just this whole, you know, feudal lord monarchy, That just the behaviour and, and the way that the church had such a say in everything that was going on. That's the roots of all yes. of this,
0: and that's just facts. Him, we could not be in it's, more strong agreement with everything that's just been said out loud. It's awful. You, you just have to read. Like you can just go on Wikipedia. Yeah, this isn't difficult. Everything we're saying out loud, you can go read the paper balls.
1: They're all so there in plain sight. They're
0: all there in con- plain it's sight. It's
2: all commerce, contract law. Goes back to commerce and contract law, and the race the race that was on because of the papal balls, yes. and we're this is why we're in this predicament right now.
1: And people truly can't say sorry. And people hang on to the narrative. Yeah. And people just are so gullible and just keep going along with it. So wake up. Yeah. And if you do wake up, there is an opportunity to smell the roses. But sometimes the waking up is painful yes. And, you know, we want to do it in a way that cares for people. And our culture is so beautiful. Like, I haven't even started talking about culture yet. But our culture is so beautiful, it's the history that gets in the way. And it's only been 230 years, this shit show that's going on. And our our spiritual, cultural way of life and, and living in synergy and, and, and love and, you know, all, all of that stuff is natural. Yes. As as human spiritual beings living this life, this lifetime, that's what we should be doing. But, you know, instead we import four seasons. Instead, we import these other calendars. Instead, we create this whole society that's built on money, greed, and power. Mm -hmm. That's not our way. Mm -hmm. And we never see sovereignty. Mm -hmm. So, The requirement of allies that understand the truth to overturn it is what's important. Mm. Just
0: everyone back at home, it's not enough to just sit at home and say, well, I don't say any racist shit out loud, so I'm not a racist.
1: But you benefit from the privilege of the history. That's white privilege. So if you're happy Mm -hmm. to understand it and know that it was wrong, so the cognitive dissonance comes into it, but you don't want to do anything about it, then you're benefiting from your white privilege. Slay, or you're benefiting stop. from your privilege if you're not white. Full stop. Because it's full a start. choice
0: for you whether to get involved or not in some sense, it's an easy way to think about it. You, do, you don't even have to contend with any of these ideas. I mean, if I didn't come to Sydney, if I didn't sit in that linguistics class, if I didn't put those things in my body the night before to make sure I was super open, there's no fucking way I'm here in this conversation. There's no way I'm here. Just because I I was so fortunate enough to sit in a linguistics class, one of the few times I turned up to class and have this lecturer say to me, when I say the word surgeon, who comes into your head? White male. That, literally that moment right there for me, that is the first moment my whole fucking life I ever considered that there might be other perspectives other than my whiteness. And that was my privilege. You know, at the end of the Unsettled exhibition, I had this beautiful conversation with the First Nations woman who took me through. And we get to the end of this exhibition about Unsettled, and the end of the exhibition is about healing. We're fortunate enough to have learned this similar lesson from some of our um, people in the community uh, in the US, uh, and learning, you know, sitting and learning about MLK and some of the lessons he was here to talk to us. And I'll never forget having, uh, I'll name him Kamani, who uh, is someone who, you know, has had a huge impact on our life. I'll never forget the day he said to me, you know, MLK wanted to free white people of racism as well because white racism is just unfounded hate. And if you have unfounded hate in your heart, you'll never find joy. Now, just pause. That I'm all good with that. So what are you going to do? That's at the bottom of all of this. It's not enough to sit here and listen to this podcast. It's not enough to sit here and have an engaging conversation. What are you personally going to do to start to remove these structures that exist around you. And it's gonna be a journey, right? You're not gonna maybe get to that answer in a day. So uh, we've probably got about 20 minutes left or 15 minutes left. I feel like we could talk forever. This has been so wonderful and thanks so much for coming. What I would love to do is just give you an opportunity to talk about culture now, if you would like, and actually celebrate if you would you know, yeah, feel open yeah. to that.
1: So um, a couple of things. One is with January 26, like it's a day that I dread, I hate it. Like I hate January. Um, and a couple of years ago, we started to do a healing ceremony and we've continued to do that. And it's been a really beautiful thing. And I don't want to get caught up in the other narratives, positive, negative. Um, I just, I want, I wanted to flip it into healing. So who are we as a nation? Who are we as, as people? And when do we come together and, and share, just be in the same space and just have respectful conversations and, and care about each other. And so, so what we started doing, um, particularly in this region, uh, go, go down to the beach with the traditional elder and, and knowledge holder. And um, we ask people to go into the, the ocean and lift their feet up off the ground. So they're off country.
2: They're out at sea,
1: and then put your feet back on the ground, walk back up onto the shoreline, be smoked, and be welcomed into country proper way.
0: Because that never happened in seventeen eighty eight. Shit, that can 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 we come? (laughs) Yeah, I I would like to do that at some point because I just I'm with yeah. Thank you. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that out loud. Because it's. Wow, so it's I go the in the only water. Way. Wow. It's the, yeah. I take my hair, I take my feet off water, so I'm off. Well you from, take your feet off
1: the, yeah, sand off the, off the land so I'm off and land. You're off country.
0: And then I come back and I'm smoked. So and just, then for people who know, have no idea what it means to be smoked. Could you just help people understand so, what that means? Um,
1: smoking is a cleansing thing. Um so you can be cleansed with water, you can be cleansed with smoke, you can you can smoke houses, you can smoke babies, you can smoke humans, and it's it's a cleanser. So you, you come back in and you walk through the smoke. Um, you bathe yourself in the smoke and then um, you're welcomed back into country proper way. And and I think that, you know, when, you know, again, plain sight, go back and look, understand maritime law, understand, you know, the legal sy- Westminster legal system here and how it got transported here. Um, so if we never... Welcome to Wikipedia people. that if you
0: don't know what that means, by the way. If you've never heard the Westminster system, outlet, just Wikipedia and YouTube and lectures, it's just all available to you when it's free. You just have to yeah. take the, the effort. So,
1: you know, we're, we're all citizens, right? Paris. On the citizenship. <laughs> to understand the language and understand how this comes into just the everyday vernacular and we just believe the word. So we wanted to do something different. So go back into the water. Come back on land and and it's it's so beautiful that um so it's it's a part of a cultural expression it's it's they they are and you know again it's it's the contemporary way in which these things are used in terms of protocols welcome to country acknowledgement of country and and to a certain extent they get bastardized um but you know what you what you would always do in in traditional times and and even even today like we will do it um, but when you know you're crossing a border, so not the border of New South Wales, because yes. there were many borders of our nations, yes. um, that you would wait to be welcomed into country by the people. Yes. And and that was to ensure your spiritual and physical journey through country. Yes. So, you you'd, you know, you'd indicate that you were there, you you'd might light a fire, mm-hmm. you know, if people saw you, that that approach and say, you know, basically, what do you want? What are you doing? And, and you would state. Why you wanted to go through their country, and you might be doing trade, um, so you ceremony would be done, and and that's you know that's the welcome that you would get from people, or or not. Yes. <laughs> um, but it, it comes from a very deep, rich tradition. The whole welcome to country, and and today the contemporary you know protocol is is acknowledgement, which I you know I think. When done from the heart, is actually a really beautiful thing. Mm. Um, but culturally, the only people that can welcome you to country is someone who has bloodline and ancestry to country. Yes. Um, so that, for me, culturally, is really important. And and there are you know there are so many things in terms of how we share our culture and, and understanding that you know the Sydney Basin has six seasons, not four. And there's a whole lot of stuff that
0: Sydney Basin has six seasons, not four. The weather.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's we just keep being force fed the stuff from overseas, from the northern hemisphere. So slowly it's creeping in that there is a a deeper understanding and deeper education that's going on with the children. That's a good thing. It's going to be slow because we're going to wait for them to grow up and actually enact a lot of this stuff that they've learned. Because adults are still hanging on to their yes. cognitive dissonance, and yes. and you know, yes. it is what it is. And and you know, we we remain in the blind spot. So it's how do we come out of the shadow? And and there are a lot of things in the Uluru statement from the heart that you know are beautiful. There's there's you know, I worry about a lot of elements of it. And I I would really love to just have First Nations people know their rights and be that. And we have a right to be different. We have a right to our own government. We have a right to our own economic system. We have a right to our own land management systems. We have rights, but it's, you know, it's it's almost like we're waiting for permission. And I'm sick of waiting. Like we, so the healing ceremony for January 26 was about doing something different mm. and just doing it. I don't care mm. who turns up. Yeah. People turn up and it's, it's the most groundbreaking spiritual moment that they've had. Yeah. And I just stand there going, it's just a smoking ceremony. Yep. <laughs> but the spiritual significance and the energy that goes mm. into it and how that impacts people, I forget that because sometimes it's the first time yes. they've ever, and like people are in tears, yep. like people are so moved and and it's really beautiful to be a part of. And I walk away, shaking my head going, what is just a smoking ceremony? <laughs> <laughs> and, the and yeah, um, so, so there, there are, there are a whole lot of things that should have been about the reciprocal relationship That never happened. We were always about giving. And and it's not about giving with the anticipation of receiving, but we were born with two hands. One hand for giving, one hand for receiving. Both hands is the totality and oneness of self. So in family, in community, it's a give and take. You have rites of passage. You, there was an expectation on your education through those rites of passage. There were behaviors that you know you learned, there were stories that you learned, there was a whole education process. So you understood your core, you understood your identity. None of that's been taught. And we should have been sharing that with all people that came to this land. And because we were treated so badly and because we were told not to practise culture, not to speak language, we round up onto missions, babies were being stolen, all of our rights went out the window. There were massacres, there were, you know, a whole lot of awful, yeah, wars. Um, and, you know, the the frontier wars that can't for some reason be recognised down in Canberra. Like, I'm sorry, it's the history of this country. So the very first declaration of war was Governor Macquarie. Where is it in the history books?
2: I'm not sure that it was Macquarie. It might have been the guy that was... um, Macquarie was ill at the time and um, the fellow from Tasmania had come up and Mm. he might have done it.
1: So there there are stories about, you know, Parramatta, Darragh country, um, Darawal country and the just the atrocities that happened. And the thing that is still disappointing is that you can drive throughout New South Wales, you can drive throughout this country, and there are creeks, there are places that are actually named after Mm. massacres that have happened there. So Gin's Leap, like what? And you know, there are, like I walk places sometimes and, and I have to stop because I know something really awful has happened there mm-hmm. and and I start feeling quite sick. And so I just kind of walk away and I then try and find out, you know, why did I have that kind of response being there? And then I found out that, you know, you find out there's been a massacre and things like that. So the energy is still in the land. The trauma is still in the land. Mm-hmm in a contemporary sense we're all still walking on that trauma and at what point does the nation heal, at what point do, you know, Australians um, just get a grip. Yeah. And just that simple. And and stop stop wanting to blame us. Yes. <laughs> and and stop the whole thing of like, oh just get over it.
2: And it's like uh, I said earlier about being able to drop that that shield of shame and have the adult conversation to understand that there's trauma on both sides, but it's not a competition. Yes. It's, yes. it's not and, a competition. And
1: that's, that's important to talk about, that, you know, when when the First Fleet arrived here yeah. in, in the harbour, that those men and women on those ships that had, had come all the way from England um, were absolutely traumatised by the time they got here.
2: The women were given smocks at the last port of call, knowing that they would be raped multiple times, pregnant, and giving birth on this land from that trauma space. And if you look at epigenetics, that's that's being filtered down through
0: epigenetics. By the way, from back home. Go Google that. It's going to fuck your life up in the best possible way. You'll learn all about methylation. It's going to be amazing. But, yeah, that's a well... That's Yeah, a really good point. And,
1: and that's the intergenerational trauma exactly. that, that gets spoken about yes. for us as First Nations people, the, the intergenerational trauma of Jewish people in the Holocaust. So we're also saying the intergenerational trauma of anyone who can trace their family ancestry back to the First Fleet. It's all in your DNA and people from a position of privilege from a, a, a living out of a system that's a patriarchal system, there are rules of engagement and behaviour. So you don't know or understand or even, you know, I, I guess I don't want to put words in people's mouths, like I, I hope people want to understand themselves mm-hmm. and understand why they function in the way that they do. Where does that come from? I know where mine comes from. Yeah. Like it's it's awful that um, that these things humans are doing it to other humans. Yes. And that's and what this is. That's what's underneath yeah, that's all right. the
0: words is humans. Yeah. Human fucking beings. Yeah. That's what's underneath all of this. And it's so important to never lose sight of that or get lost in some intellectual word thing here. Yeah. I'm talking about humans and healing.
1: And how shameful is the history of white Australia, that South African government can come in the early sixties and want to learn and know about the way that the government treated its blacks here, take that back to South Africa and fashion the apartheid system.
2: In plain sight. the apartheid came from Queensland.
1: In plain sight, it's all there. You just gotta go looking in the right places.
0: So interesting, earlier you were saying you don't feel comfortable with the term Australia. I don't feel comfortable with that either when this is our legacy, when I have my passport and I think, I don't wanna be a citizen of that. I don't wanna have that history. How do we How do we resolve this? How do we move forward as a nation?
1: Um, well, they're all talking about bloody Republic at the moment, but they're, they're you know, and, and that concerns me. Are we having that narrative, that dialogue with First Nations people at the table? Probably not. Because we want to still mold it out yes. of our white white maleness. Yes. Yes. We just so want to build a it's, new evolution. Yep. Are we are we learning anything? Probably yes. not. Yes. Which is which is really disappointing. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Well So Indigenous <laughs> it, Susan was talking about um the joining together of the hands yes. and indigenous communities, and it, it, you know, you you look at uh, India and Namaste. Yes. Namaste is is the the male and the feminine yes. coming the together. The male and coming to the
0: three, yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: So so indigenous philosophies worldwide have a real opportunity to flip this, and and you take it from the grandmothers and the grandfathers, and they're the ones that are. You, you know, being here of this land, the Indigenous communities from elsewhere look to Australians and say, oh, the grandmothers and the grandfathers, they they know the antiquity of this place. So, look, it's in our backyard. Why don't we look at it? Why don't we acknowledge
1: it? People are shocked still today when I say we're the oldest living culture on the planet. They go, what, really? They go, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, why don't you know that? Yeah. And why aren't you proud of that? Yes. And why aren't you standing on the rooftops?
0: Yes. To the See. world going, yes.
1: "We have the oldest living culture on yeah. this continent. We today call it Australia, yeah. and we're really proud of that because yes. their culture is our culture." Yes. But instead we want to go, "Oh, white culture, the western ways is superior." Yes. And and we're we're just, you know, we're just getting to a point where you know, God love them, that you know, this whole thing around co design that we're being invited to the table. And, you know, to put to put it back into a human disadvantaged position and the outcomes of that. So we've got this I was about to be rude, I won't. Um this this thing called closing the gap. And I'm sorry, ten years of failure. And when Google, by the way, just yeah, again Google research to go and um, look. When when I went to a consultation around the reversioning of it and what the hell are we gonna do because it's been a resounding failure. And this government statistician says, um, what we measure is what we focus on. What we focus on is what we measure. And I said, well, you're seriously looking at the wrong things because none of what you measure is important to us. You're you're viewing it through a Western lens. So ask us what's important. What's going to make us well? What's going to make us healthy? We, you know, prior to 1788, we were really happy and healthy. Yes. only taken, yeah, It's only taken 230 years for this shit show to kind of play out the way that it has. So if we are at the table and do a true co-design. Don't come up with your blueprint that you've already worked out is gonna work. Actually sit down, talk, be respectful, ask, you know, what? what is it that will culturally make a difference for the original people of this continent and of the globe? How How is it that you lived in a very healthy life prior to the ships coming in, how do, how do we get back to that? Mm-hmm. And the reframing of that is we're kind of doing the dance at the moment. Yes. That's what I'm seeing, that there's all this, you know, this talk of co-design. Um, some of it's not true co-design because they, they already know what they want to do and they just get a tick mm-hmm. from people and you kind of go, well, that was a bit unfortunate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it's it's when people's voices are heard and understood and respected that's when we're going to get something different happening but up until that point it's just going to be the same shit show and and having said that there will be things that are happening in the background that people may or may not know that's going on so whilst people are you know doing their beer-drinking competitions and song-throwing competitions for that day, um, there are others that are doing healing ceremonies. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, look, I think that more than anything else is a beautiful spot for us to start to wrap this conversation up. Uh, I'll give you a chance to say some things because you've been a very good mic holder this whole time. Uh, Maybe you could, you know, honour these two wonderful people as we start to check out. Uh, and then I'll maybe finish up. So go for it.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. <laughs> Justin, I really appreciate your presence here and thank you for providing your perspectives as well on all of this. Really feel like you are our resident Wikipedia document. Yep. today. Yep. yep. With the yep, well. thanks, like, It was damn. awesome. Good. All the heaps. Yep. And I really appreciate all of that. And yeah also i could feel the the ideas of other first nations around the world coming in here too and i really appreciate you bringing that in as well and that perspective and the namaste because i learned the whole hand the left and the right and then you're bringing it to their culture too and recognizing that so that was a really cool flavor yeah, so thank you and to you susan thank you so so much i've taken so much from this conversation and all the parts of me too, the younger realms, and they're recollecting the things that they witnessed at school, during high school, during my period as a young man, especially in Newcastle. And yeah, I just want to say thank you from me, from our audience, from Matt, from all of us, for being open and just allowing us to have this space to just understand and heal. And thank you for your encouraging energy and above all your patience for not just us but for all, for for everything. And thanks for the focus on the truth. Because I have heard things like this throughout my entire life and that I've heard a lot of other things too. And so... Really, and now thanks to you, Matt, for allowing me the space to find myself, discover myself, create myself and be open to new narratives and choose new narratives and be in these spaces. And so thank you. Thank you so much. Like even just for me learning about that, the technicality around the word Aboriginal, I just from now on, I'll just prefer First Nations. That makes so much more sense to me as well too. And really when you, that idea of transported, that theme, that word that you heard, I was like, oh yeah, that really is. It's like, and I went through this vision of like, yeah, I could have been a First Nations person here and then all of a sudden they're saying that I'm an Aboriginal and using this word and you've had to assume that. And I was like, oh, I've never even seen that perspective before. Like that's not your word. That's, you were doing your thing, being awesome, having a great time. And then all of a sudden there's this stuff and That really clicked in for some of my younger realms too, especially like my my little boy. He's like, oh yeah, this is crazy. Like this this is just crazy. So thank you so much to the both of you. Thank you, Matt, for facilitating this and hosting this. But thanks so much for taking the time to be here and to provide an education for us and our audience, especially for the upcoming Invasion Day. From at the bottom of our hearts. Thank you.
1: I just want to share a really, really, you just prompted a, a thought. Um, I used to hate January 26th so much. Yeah. It just used to be so traumatising for me. Awful. We, we went to India one year to, to a, a peace, peace conference,
2: conference. Run by Gandhi's um, grandson. Grandson.
1: And I was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Let's go to a peace conference. It'll be so good. Two things that happened. Um, oh, yeah. one, one was... Uh, it was actually Gandhi's grandsons came up and said, Oh, happy January 26th. I hear, Happy Australia Day, January 26th. Um, I believe that's that's happening today. And I was like, Yeah, we don't celebrate that. And <laughs> he was like, What? And what I hadn't realised that it was also. Yeah,
2: Republic Day.
1: Yeah, so that's amazing. January 26th is
2: Republic Day for India.
1: So I, I understood that it was a day of celebration for them. Mm-hmm. So I had to readjust. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that internally yeah. to wow. go, okay, all right. So um, I can celebrate that for you because mm. that's really that's fantastic. That's Let's amazing. Let's talk at dinner. <laughs> yeah. So so we, we spoke about what it means for us, and and he didn't know, and and you know, and that was a good thing to just have those awarenesses and awakenings. Um, the other thing I remember, we were standing in Connaught Place in in Delhi, and I had this absolute moment of. Oh my God, (laughs) standing there. And I went, there are so many black people and I feel like I'm a part of this. Like I can see myself here because I'm not different. I'm not in a land full of white people. I actually feel, and I can see myself in this because of the color of my skin. And, you know, it's this whole thing about the politics of my skin color. Yes. And I'm Susan. Yes. And I don't want to go down your path of bullshit politics. Like, I just want to be me. Yes. But it was that moment of realization that suddenly there were all these other black people around mm-hmm. and and I'm a bit of a chameleon wherever I go, whether it's the Pacific Islands or in other places and, and throughout Asia, um, people think I'm from there. Like I start to, you know, just kind of morph apparently and people will start speaking the language of that country and I just go, I feel so inadequate. I just go, no, 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 sorry, you know, English. And um, they go, really? Like aren't you from here? And I go, no, 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 I'm from Australia. They go, really? I go, go, you know, first Australian and original people. Oh, oh, okay. So then they get it but... we were going into India.
2: India. I speak a little bit of Hindi, and then it's whether it's India or Nepal, I speak Nepali, and they start, just start speaking Nepali to Susan, and I go, mm,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's again, it comes back to how you see yourself in the world, and and you know, am I am I present? Am I Am I a part of something? Yes. And coming from my background in broadcasting ABC and ITV, it was always about telling our stories because if we don't get those stories out there, it just continues to be a whitewash and it continues to be white noise. Yes. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what's happened with, with ABC and now NITV doing so well because it does start to really inject the colour back into the nation and and the conversations and the narratives that are going on. Because that's what's important. I mean, not only for us as adults, but, you know, children as well.
0: Yes. Well, with that, I'll just say a quick thank you. Uh, just Justin, like, thanks so much for your presence. You've clearly spent a lot of time thinking about these things and you've also put in the hours both as a practitioner and as also as a researcher. And so just a huge thank you. Uh, this whole conversation wouldn't have happened had you not reached out to Dinus a couple of years ago back when he was trying to compete. Close <laughs> were the days. We're talking about Agape. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so <laughs> just like, thank you so much uh, for being here and just for your guidance and that thing about the trauma base, that's going to stay with me. And then, you know, Susan, oh, just thanks for your personal stories, to be honest, like for you to just so powerfully walk us through that uh, was really meaningful. And literally, I was looking at your website last night and I couldn't sleep. I was so excited for our conversation today and to just sit and be educated. And, you know, as I was walking over here, I had my plan for what I was going to say. I was like, all right, I know the bit to say at the start, but then it's just time for us to like shut up. Exactly. And to really allow your wisdom to stand here. So we just want to say a huge and tremendous thank you not only for all of us to just stand you are for humanity. Um, We really recognize your bravery and your grace. And so thank you so much. You two are literally the first ever guests that we've ever had on the TPT podcast. (laughs) And we just want to give a massive shout out to both of you. Thank you so much. Big love to you both. And we'll see all of you back home soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank
3: you.